Good morning, Victory Church. How you doing? All right, so we got the left side talking. Let me try the right side. Let me try. Good morning, Victory Church. How you doing? Lanisa waved at me. How you going to wave at somebody when they're trying to get you to talk? My name is Troy. Me and my wife, Darla, get the incredible privilege to pastor this church, and we just want to say welcome. If you're visiting with us this morning, thank you for giving us some of your time. We hope that as you leave here today, you feel like that was time well spent, being able to fellowship with people, be in the Word of God. There's so many things happening uh, through Victory and in this area. We're actually working now on putting a calendar in your hand soon of all the things that are happening in the month of May. We're going to get an opportunity to serve our community right here in the school. We have men's events. We got a men UFC event coming up and women's events and just all kinds of things happening that kind of get you from good to great, as we talked about last week. And so those calendars will be coming. Um, and I've been hearing a lot of testimonies. Just different things from people. I had a couple people email me, have, have heard people talking to other people about what God's doing. And, and as you've heard us talk about this series, I believe God is going to do, if he's not already doing, something great in your life. And we want you to be able to share that with us because we want to be able to share it with the church. And so we started an email called mystory@tnvictory.com. mystory@tnvictory.com. So if you get a chance and uh, you've got something that God's been doing just recently or, you, or throughout the next couple of weeks, God does something kind of in a parallel with the series shoot me that email so that we can get up here on a Sunday and share. We, we don't have to talk about who you are if, if you want to keep it confidential, but we'd love to just be able to show people, man, God is doing something not just in their lives, but in the lives of the people around them. And so I hope you've been praying these prayers. Uh, if you're visiting with us this morning, we'd love to get you one of these. We handed these out after service last Sunday when we launched this series, and it has six prayers, and we'll pray these things before the service is over, uh, that are just kind of empowering us to see greater in so many areas of our lives. And you may have seen it if you follow us on social media. Bobby Goings got me into the uh, Smyrna Council meeting Tuesday night, which was such a blessing. And so I stood in front of the officials of Smyrna and as they were going over different things, and I prayed over the meeting and, and that, you know, that God's presence would be with the authorities and those kind of things. And at the end, I snuck in these six prayers, and I was able to pray these prayers over the council meeting and over our community. And so God's already do, doing something. It's already starting. And so I hope you're praying these things because the only way you're going to move from good to great is if you're asking God for it. And so we kind of tried to put it in your hands, some things you could be praying and believing and so on so on. If you got your Bibles, do me a favor, open up the book of 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. If you don't have your Bible, don't worry, we'll have it on the screen. Last week we were in the book of 1 Kings because we are following the life of a man named Elijah. We saw Elijah go from a life of good, and we're going to see by the time this series is over, him enter into a life of great, and we're kind of following along with that. And so last week, as we launched the series, we launched it with this concept. If you're going to grasp the great in your life, you've got to be willing to let go of the good in your life. The enemy of great is good. So many people bypass great because they want to be comfortable in their good. And so we kind of said this, in order for you to go from good to great, you're going to have to say yes to three things. You're going to have to say yes to an uncomfortable moment. You're going to have to say yes to an uncommon commitment. And you're going to have to say yes to unyielding faith. And if you say yes to those three things, it'll move you from good to great. And we're seeing it in the life of Elijah. And I just kind of real briefly said a statement last week, and that's where we're going to really kind of set up camp today, I said, what if God isn't so much calling you to be great as much as he is calling out the great that's already in you? And I, I want to dig into that a little bit today, and I want to talk about how to unveil the greatness that is already in you. I don't have a problem believing that God wants to do something great. I don't have any problem believing that. I don't even have a problem believing that God has the ability to do that great thing. Where I struggle is believing that God wants to do that great thing through me. That's where I struggle because I don't understand how God could do something so great through someone who's so mediocre. And so, so I always have struggled with that. And the more I've studied this deal with Elijah and I came upon this story in 2 Kings chapter 4 and, and the Lord kind of began to show me that the greatness, everything that God's calling me to do, every uh, aspect of, of, of my calling that God has put before me, I've already got what it takes to get there. And we see it in this story. So in 2 Kings chapter 4, I'm going to read it to you and kind of set it up. You've, you've got two main people in the story. You've got Elijah, our boy, and you've got this widow. And it says, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elijah, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. So you've got this widow. She's a widow because her husband's dead. And she says, look, my husband 
was in the ministry. He was working for the prophets. But now his creditor, right, you know when y'all get them, them bill collecting phone calls, right? So she's getting them phone calls from the, from the area code she doesn't recognize. And they're coming to take my two boys as his slave. Now let me just let you know. If the, if the bill collectors were calling me to take my kids, I might take their phone call. I'm just kidding. You know, try to fill out the audience for a second, all right? Just wake y'all up a little bit. He just say he's going to give his kids away? Just listen to me for a second. So Elijah replies to her, how can I help you? He's not asking, how can I help you? It's a rhetorical question. How can I help you? How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elijah said, go around, ask all of your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, pour oil into all of the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him, shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. And when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, Elijah, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. I want to tell you this morning that everything you need for God to be able to move you from good to great is already in your house. Everything that woman need, needed was already in her house. And there's some principles that we can learn from the story with the widow and Elijah that we can apply to our life to be able to unveil the greatness that's already in our life. And here's number one. You have got to become aware of what you've got. You need to become aware of what you got. To be able to, to recognize and reveal the greatness that God's put in you, the very first step for you is to become aware of what it is you've got. I think so many Christians miss out on the greatness of God because they don't know who they've been called to be, nor what they've been created to do. Look at what Elijah says to her. He says, how can I help you? What is in your house? He turns her attention. Her attention is out. How can you help me, right? When we, when we start talking about greater, what do we do? How can other people help me? God, how can you help me? Elijah says, turn your attention in. What, what do you already have? And her response is quick. I ain't got nothing. I don't got any bread, I don't have a water bottle, I don't have a nickel to my name, I ain't got nothing. And then it says, like, immediately, and I always get so curious in the way the Bible works, you know, are there things because we weren't there, we couldn't see, because literally right after she says, I've got nothing at all, she says, well, except for this small jar of olive oil. And I was reading it, I'm like, what happened? What, 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 what did we not see in the Bible for her to go, I ain't got nothing at all, Elijah, I'm broke, and then go to, well, except for this little jar. What happened? I think maybe Elijah gave her one of them faces. You know what I'm talking about? Where he's just like, mm, you ain't got nothing. I'm, I'm, you ain't got nothing? Nothing at all? Why don't you, why don't you look again? You ain't got nothing looking. And I think when he said that and she had to look again, I think it was the very first squat and squint. You know what I mean? I think if you could get a picture of the widow, this would be her. You know, he's like, you ain't got nothing. And she's like, mm. okay, maybe I do got a little bit. Uh, maybe I do got a jar of all this little bitty jar of, of all. You can take that off. People ain't going to be able to focus on the word of God with her. And looking. That's going to be a meme. We're putting that on social media later. Be ready for that. Listen. It's not that the oil was not available. It's this, just that she was unaware of it. It's not that what God needs or that, that greater concept is not available in you. It's just you're not aware of it. And so you need to become aware of what God has already placed in you. Satan knows this. Satan knows that scripture says that God knit you together in your mother's womb. And so when he knit you together, I believe there was greater that he put inside of you. And he put it in you when you were born. And the devil knows he cannot remove that greater out of you. So if he can't remove it out of you, the only tactic he has is to get you to discount it. Because he can't remove it. 
So if he can get you to see it as no value, then you will ignore it and you will not operate in it. Therefore, you will not release it out of you and, in, and impact people around you. He just wants you to get to a place where you see everything that you have as an exception. See what she said? I, except this little bitty jar of oil. I love how she starts describing the jar to him. Ain't nobody ask her for that. Yeah, except this little, small, useless, pointless, dirty, I, it's in the back of the cabinet, I don't even see it, little bitty jar. She's trying to show the exceptions. This is just, I ain't got, look what, this is all, I, don't we do that to God? God starts calling us to do something. It's like, well, I ain't got nothing. I ain't got no education. I don't have any talent. All I got is this little useless, pointless, and we start giving God all of our exceptions. God, you can't use me to be able to bless other people because I'm this, or you can't use me to impact children because I'm this. I can't have a great marriage because I'm this. I can't be a great mom or a great dad because we always want to give God our exceptions, but every time you see an exception, God sees a qualification. Let me tell you what I mean. Moses told God, I can't speak. God told Moses, you need to go and tell Pharaoh, let my people. Moses said, look, I, I, I can't speak. I got a little stutter. I can't speak. That's my exception. I can't speak. God said, that's a qualification. You're going to be the Morgan Freeman of the faith. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to use you to say everything. Mary, what did Mary say? I'm a virgin. Right? Here's my exception. I'm a virgin. God said, I'm going to make you the first episode of 16 and pregnant. Like, what's going to happen right now? It's done. This is the qualification. Peter said, I'm a sinful man. You can't use me. I'm a sinful man. Jesus said, I'm going to make you pastor of the church. Amen. John the Baptist said, I can't baptize you. I'm unworthy. Jesus said, if you don't get in that tub, you better get you a dark shirt and some dark shorts and get in that tub. Baptize me because when we see exception, God sees qualification. Can I read a verse to you that it will just, again, I don't make these things up. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 to 27 says something I love. It says, remember, dear brothers and sisters. All right, so this is to you and to me. Hey, remember, sister, brother, the f- that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Don't get it twisted. You were nothing when I called you. I didn't call you because of all of your gifts and talents and anointings. I called you because of your exceptions. Watch this. God chose things the world considers foolish. Here I am. Right? Things that the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chooses things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God walks around looking for exceptions. He looks for everything you think is wrong with you is what qualifies for you, okay? Because God looks for exceptions because he knows when he can do something great through you, he gets more of the glory. See what I mean? You guys have heard this before. Me and Brian Hogwood, the guy who comes and closes the services all the time, we went to high school together, Memphis, Tennessee, Craigmont High School. If you were to call somebody from Memphis, Tennessee who graduated Craigmont High School right now and you said, hey, um, I want to tell you about what Brian and Troy are doing together now. They would say, oh, well, what prison are they in? That's how that would go. Um, it, it would be one of those moments where it's like they're doing what? They're actually doing good because the Lord loves to pick people. He loves to pick the foolish to shame the wise. If you don't believe me, take the next seven days and just do a little Bible study on the disciples. And why Jesus chose those 12 wackheads over all the other people he could have chosen. Because he knew not only would they be so dedicated and determined to worship God, but he knew that once they started walking out the miracles of God, people would have to say, it must be God. Because I knew them before Jesus came along, and it must be God. There has to be some. Look at the person beside you do this. Look at them and say, you a fool. Do them. Say, you're a fool. And it's a good thing that you're a fool because you are foolish, because you have exceptions, because you have issues. You qualify to be redeemed and then used by God. But you have to learn to become aware of what you've got. If 
you were here for Easter Sunday, we did this little presentation, a little creative presentation where Andrea sang the song Rise Up, and then Tim was over here, and he did kind of a spoken word, and we kind of intertwined the song. And what's really funny about it is if you were watching and you don't know Tim, you were probably sitting back going, oh, wow, he's, he's pretty talented. That's pretty cool that he could do that. And if you know Tim... You would know that if me and you and Tim went to go get lunch, we could sit there and talk for three hours, and Tim wouldn't say one word. He does not speak. The first time I ever met him, I thought he was mute. I didn't know what was going on. And he just, he's one of those guys. If he doesn't have something like, like instrumental to say, he won't speak. He'll sit there honorably the whole time. And yet he gets up here, and out of his mouth comes all of that wisdom because God loves to use the very thing that the world doesn't see coming to be able to perform miracles. But you've got to become aware of what you've got. There has to be, well, well Pastor Troy, how do I do that? How, how do I become aware of what I got? Let me give you two ways, all right? The first way is to ask people who love you what is inside of you. Start with your spouse. They're normally pretty honest. And then ask your friends, what is it about me? What's great about me? Let them tell you that. Most of our problems is we don't like to listen to stuff like that because we don't believe it, so we block it out before we hear it. That's one way. The other way, and it's one of my favorite ways, is through growth track. Because when you go to 201, we make you take a couple tests, and it kind of reveals your leadership style and your spiritual giftings, and you kind of walk away going, oh, wow, I didn't even know that that was inside of me. And so it's amazing when you start to understand, listen to this, that greater starts with whatever you have. Greater starts with whatever you have. Quit saying one day I will give it all to God. One day when I understand the Bible. One day, one day, one day. Start now. Give him the exception. Give him whatever you got and watch him make it greater. Amen? So you've got to become aware of what you've got. And then once you become aware of what, you, of what you've got, watch this. Then you can begin to value what you're not. When you are aware of what you've got, you can begin to value what you're not. Elijah tells this widow, he says, listen, go around to all of the neighbors and get all of the jars that you can get from them. Go, he says, don't get a few. Don't get a few. Get as many jars as you can possibly find. Here's what Elijah's saying. You have oil. You don't have jars. Okay? You have oil. You don't have jars. There will never be a shortage of people to tell you what you don't have. They'll always be around. The problem is when we start listening to them and we allow what we don't have to prevent us from moving into what God created us to do. That's where the problem comes in. I think it's interesting that sometimes we let our limitations put a lid on God. Right? If there's something about me that I'm not quite secure about, I will then start to say, well, God can't use me because of this. And so my limits, my limitations, and the limitations I think I have on me, again, the things that I notice that I do not have, I allow to then become a lid on God. I have a, a pastor, mentor type person I look up to, and I was at a conference with him one time, and he spoke this from the stage. He said, most people think that a pastor's number one problem is pride. He said, they're wrong. A pastor's number one problem is insecurity. And I, in my chair, I couldn't amen so loud. And I don't know that you'll, you'll ever fully believe me or understand, but when you do something like this, it's so hard. Every time I preach, I walk off the stage and start to process what I did wrong or what I could have done better and all these kind of things. And, and it's funny because, obviously, most Sundays I try to go stand out in the doorway and shake your hands and just have an opportunity to, to talk to you and be available if anybody has any questions. And every Sunday... Kevin will, will, will come over to me and give me some, some love and tell me what an incredible sermon it was. And I tell him, I, just, I say, don't quit saying that because I need to hear it. If you ever give me any time compliment, you'll hear me say that means more than you know because it does. Because I battle with these thoughts. And so when I hear things like that, it's, it's, it's encouraging. You need to hear it. Well, last Sunday we had water baptisms, right? And so I didn't get to go stand in the doorway. I had to go get dressed and get in the tub. And so, you know, Kevin and Jenna, they came and they watched baptisms and all that like everybody else did. And then they left. I didn't get to say anything to Kevin. So I didn't get that reminder of like, hey, you actually did a good job. And so I thought about calling him this week. And be like, hey, man, can you just compliment me real quick? Like, I just need to know for a second that I'm not an idiot. You know, like there's just moments where we tend to get so insecure about who we are. And we focus on what we do not have. And then we treat it like it's a bad thing. And we 
complaining. Watch this. Most of the time, we spend more time complaining about what we don't have than pouring out what we do. Right? Because it's so easy to sit back and go, man, I can't do that. I can't do this. I don't have that. Listen, once you know what you've got, you can begin to value what you're not. And if we can embrace the limitations of, of, that are on our lives, I believe those limitations will move us, watch this, out of what we think we're supposed to do and closer to what God created us to do. What if you valuing what you're not, what you're not could force you into the place you're supposed to be? Let me give you a story. So <laughs> at 16 years old, I got a job at Chick-fil-A, right? You familiar with a little restaurant, little hole-in-the-wall place? You seen it? Okay, um, God's Restaurant. I got a, got a job there, and when, when I got into the process and went through training, they, they were able to access really quickly. They were like, all right, this guy does not need to be on a cash register. He does not need to be in a stock room. He certainly doesn't need to be putting together food. So really, the only thing God even gave him was a mouth, and so let's put him somewhere where he can talk to people. And so they put me at the drive-in window at the Chick-fil-A, okay? Now, here's the catch. I wasn't taking orders or money. Somebody else was doing that. I wasn't giving food. Somebody else was doing that. My job was to just stand there and talk to the people at the window while they were waiting on their food. I was having a blast. You know what I mean? Like, hey, what you doing? I was flirting, having a good old time. I was 16 years old. This was a blast. And all they were worried about is do not let that boy touch anything. Just let him sit over there and talk, right? Don't let him say anything. And so we got real busy one day, and the crowd got going. And uh, one, of the, one of the guys on the staff came over. He said, hey, Troy, look, man, I'm busy. I'm swamped. Can you go change out the ice cream machine? Because sometimes, you know, the ice cream machine gets low, and in training, they teach you how to fill it back up. Here's what you do. You walk over to the machine, you turn the machine off, you go into the back to this shelving, and you grab a big plastic bag of what looks like milk, and you take it, you cut the bag open, you pour it in the machine, you throw the bag away, you turn the machine back on, ta-da, you've done it, okay? So they taught me that. So when he tells me, I'm like, yeah, man, I got you. I'll, I'll you go do you. I, I got this. So I pause my little headphones or whatever. I put them down. And I go back there and I get the bag and I do the whole process, turn the machine off, pour the milk in, turn the machine back on, go and hold the deal. About an hour goes by. And I'm at the window and I'm just, you know, hey, welcome to Chick-fil-A. What your name is? You know, all this kind of stuff, having a good old time. And I start noticing that, like, all these ice cream cones are being returned. Like, I can just see the people at the cash just taking them and throwing them in the trash. Just throwing them up, like, full-blown ice cream cones in the trash. I'm like, that's odd. And so I kind of went over to the girl running the cash register because I knew her. And I said, hey, uh, uh, what's, what's wrong with the ice cream? I see what's going on. And she goes, oh, I don't know. Everybody's returning their ice cream, talking about how nasty it is. And they can't even eat it. Every time they take one bite and they're returning it, so we're having to give them all their money back. He said, we got kids choosing toys over ice cream. I was like, that's not good, right? And so I said, well, well what's wrong with the ice cream? Because they don't know it, but I know that I was the last person involved with the ice cream. And so I'm like, wait, what's wrong with the ice cream? And she goes, no, nah, I don't really know. She said, although one guy said that it tastes like coleslaw. <laughs> I see you're ahead of me a little bit. Um, I was like, that's a weird combination. And so I said, okay. And uh, I went to the back of the stock room because I wanted to know what could have happened, right? And so I went back there, and in the shelving area, there's this whole side of white plastic bags filled with milk with ice cream refills. Right beside them are these bags of coleslaw mix. And if you see the bag at the right angle, you don't see the cabbage or anything. You just see the white cream. And so me being me, I just went back there and grabbed it. Listen, I made coleslaw ice cream. Can you believe that? Listen, I learned something that day. God didn't create me to work at Chick-fil-A. That's when I learned. I learned I, that ain't my gift. I don't need to be making anybody's food. I, I shouldn't even make you toast. You know what I mean? Like, get me. But I've learned I can preach the word of God. See what I mean? So I may not be able to make some ice cream, but I can preach the word of God. So look, don't put me in front of a cash register. Don't hand me a bag of ice cream mix. But if you give me a Bible, I can explain Ephesians to you. Once I learn what I'm not, and once I become aware of what I've got, I'll value what I'm not. I'm not trying to be something God didn't put inside of me. And so I don't care if you are the best ice cream maker in five states. Congratulations, that's what God made you to do. But when I understood that's not what God made me to do, I don't sit back jealous of people who can make good ice cream. I don't go to Chick-fil-A and stalk the ice cream maker. 
wish I was you. I've learned if I can figure out what I've got, then I can begin to value what I'm not. And then the more I read this, God showed me something, and I could not wait to tell you all this. Once you become aware of what you've got, and you begin to value what you're not, then, listen, you will begin to see that God will surround you with people who have the thing you need. What did, God, what did Elijah say? Go to your neighbors and get as many jars as you can get. You have oil, but you don't have jars. But don't worry, because I've surrounded you with people who have more than enough jars, and all they need is somebody with oil. See what I mean? They're sitting there with a bunch of jars, but they have no oil. You've got a bunch of oil, but you have no jars. And so I've purposely put you near each other so that when you come together, miracles happen. I believe God gave me my wife. Somebody when I was young told me, if, if you really want to walk in the freedom God has for you, then marry a woman who makes your ministry better. And I did that because I've already expressed to you I have very few talents, okay? We've, been, we've walked through this. Um, and we just crossed Ice Cream Maker off the list. But, but my wife has all of these incredible talents. And when you put us together, you start to see something sweet happen. Because the area is like a puzzle. The areas where I don't have, she has. Because, God, that's what the whole don't be unequally yoked is all about. Is listen, there's people out there that have what you need. And you have what they need. And when you come together, something great happens. Malcolm is on our leadership team. And every time we have a meeting, he puts together a whole spreadsheet on what we talked about. If you have a conversation conversation with him today after church. He'll have a spreadsheet about it come Tuesday. Like, it's insane. He's wild. And, and I don't do that. I don't even know how to use Excel. And so when you put us together, it's amazing what happens, right? Brian, Brian, one of the best things about Brian is Brian is able to confront any situation head on with boldness. He's able to put it into motion culture and divine culture. And so when you put People like that around me in areas where I may, here's what I know, I'm hearing the voice of God and communicating the voice of God, but I can't put it on a spreadsheet, but if you give me Malcolm, we'll all of a sudden put it together and we'll have something going. Listen, I don't know anybody in Smyrna. Nobody. Bobby knows everybody. I, one day, y'all, we're going to wake up and Smyrna will have erected this golden, like, statue of Bobby right in downtown Smyrna. You know what I mean? Like, he knows everybody, so God makes him my neighbor. He puts him around me so that my oil can be mixed with his jar, and now all of a sudden miracles are happening. You see what I'm saying? Listen, you know how people say you got a face only a mom can love? Y'all heard that? I've got a voice nobody can love. Right? Singing voice. Don't get it twisted, okay? And so God will put the right people around me. I'm probably going to mess everything up. Watch it. Because God ain't going to put me here. Because behind here, I can't do anything for you. And if I'm not careful, I'll be over here unaware of what God put in me, jealous of what God put in somebody else. And I need to understand that what God put in Jeff, it had to be in Jeff. And Jeff can sing, but it ain't Jeff's responsibility to preach. I don't know if he can, but he better not try here, all right? So he can sing, but he can't preach. And so when you put me together with Jeff and Jeff's jars get together with my oil, then miracles start to happen. You see what I mean? But you'll never be able to embrace that until you become aware of what you've got. Once you're confident in who you are, then you can be confident in who you're not. That's what it's all about, putting people in the right places. Surrounding people with you who have the very thing that you don't have, but then understanding and accepting what you do have. <laughs> I think the more that you desire and humble yourself before God, the more he reveals what's special to you. And what's special about you. One of the things I've always tried to be careful of is watching other people who are being used by God and wanting their oil. And I heard a preacher say this, I'll never forget it. He said, you can borrow jars all you want, but you can't borrow oil. You can borrow jars all you want, but you can't borrow oil. Listen to me, church. 
every one of you have got a small jar of olive oil in your house that God put there for a unique reason and a unique purpose. And until you become aware of it, it'll sit on the shelf. And it's inside of you. It's, you don't need a seminar. You don't need a conference. You just need to look inside and become aware of what God has already put inside of you. And to become aware of what you've got, then you can value what you're not. And then watch this. Then the only thing that matters is you decide when to stop. We're going to go a little deeper on this. But if you catch this, I think it could have some pretty big impact over your future. So verses 5 and 6, we need to be able to, to see something again and see it a little bit more clear about the, the way when she's pouring out the oil. I don't know if I've given you those verses. Ms. Eric, you can just put the whole thing back on there. Um, yep, here we go. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept what? Pouring. She kept pouring. She kept pouring. When all the jars were full, so she's pouring, jars are full, she then says to her son, bring me another one. Get me, get me another one. This one's over. Get me another one. Bring me another one. But then her son replies, there is not a jar left. We ain't got no more jars. The oil's pouring out. Get me a jar. Hurry up. Y'all ever been filling something up and it starts to overflow and you're like, get me a towel. Get me a cup. Get me something. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. You're like, we don't have anything. Watch this. Then, then, where, where are the jars? We ain't got no more jars. Then, the oil stopped pouring. When did the oil stop? The oil, we ran out of oil. Because you have to know, this woman was trying to get Everything she could get out of that small jar. So she's probably got that thing upside down, shaking it and everything. But oil is constantly coming out. The only moment that the oil stopped is when there were no more jars. So there's not a shortage of oil. There's a shortage of jars. There's not a shortage of God's greatness there's a shortage of people who are pursuing it. Let me set you free for a moment. Greater is not a destination. As we move in this series, if you're not aware of this, you'll get confused and you'll think that greater is a place you can get to. Oh man, I want a greater marriage. So if I can ever, if I can get to, all right, this right here is a greater marriage. I can get to a great, I need to be a greater mom and dad, right? We always, I want to be a greater parent. Okay, if I can get right here, I'm a greater parent. I need to have a greater faith. So if I can get right here, I'll have greater faith. Greater is not a destination. Notice the oil did not stop pouring. It was going to pour for as long as she had jars. If she would have had every jar in the world, it would have filled every jar she had. I try to process these things sometimes. Don't you think there should have been some freaking out when you have a small jar and you have it upside down and it fills this jar and you're already kind of like, that didn't quite add up. And then you turn it up and you move it and you get another one and you pour it and then it does it again. Like that in itself should have been confusing. But, but understanding that no matter how many jars she filled up, the oil would not quit flowing until there was no more jars. Greater is not a destination, it's determination. It's your ability to say, I want my marriage to be greater, 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 greater. Oh, I've arrived. You haven't arrived. If you think you've arrived, ask your wife. You haven't arrived. There's always greater. I want my faith to be greater. I just want to be able to get out of a boat and walk on water for a moment, and then my faith will be greater. No, 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 no. No, you can do that, but then there's going to come a time where you've got to preach a gospel about a God who died and resurrected, and thousands of people are coming, and then at some point you've got to be crucified for him. There's always a season of greater for you. There's greater inside of you, but as long as you're offering up jars, it'll always get greater, more, more. As long as you offer up jars for your marriage, your marriage gets greater. Date night, marriage conference, sit down and eat together, talk for a moment, pray together, read the Bible together, read a book together. Those are all jars. And as long as those jars are out there, God will fill them up greater, greater, 
greater. Kids, play time with your kids, right? Vacation with your kids. Read with your kids. Put your kids to bed. Jar, jar, jar. Finances. Tithe. 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 <laughs> Offering. Tithe. Offering. Savings. Dave Ramsey's book. Dave Ramsey's book. Dave Ramsey's book. Dave Ramsey's book. There's jars that you can put out there. And as long as the jars are coming, God's filling. Faith. Read my Bible. Pray. Read my Bible. Pray. Serve. Serve. Read my Bible. Pray. Go to church. Worship. Put on a CD. And as long as there's jars, God just keeps filling it up. He just keeps filling it up. Listen. The only moment it stops is when you become satisfied with where you are. Once you become satisfied with your faith, you quit throwing out jars. When you become satisfied in your marriage, you quit throwing out jars. Let's replace the word satisfied. Complacent. And that's when the oil stops pouring. Can I give you a church example? This is what I do for a living, and I believe, I honestly believe, I don't do it because I get paid well because I don't, but if I do it because I believe the church changes people's lives, right? You believe me? Let me give you an example. Imagine, again, let's be the woman. Let me get over here. Be the woman in, in porn, jar, 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 jar. Hey, give me another jar. Hey, hurry up. This one's getting full. Give me another jar. We don't have any more jars. Last Sunday, we got to say, by the grace of God, that over 12 weeks of being a church, 25 people have either rededicated or committed their lives to Christ for the first time. That's incredible. That same day, we baptized five people who all have incredible stories, and a lady gave her life to the Lord, rededicated her life to the Lord in that service. So on that 12th week, we made it 26. The only reason why God has been able to do that is because there have been jars. God's been pouring out because there's a jar. See what I mean? Y'all don't even know this. This Jeff, Jeff, he's in a band, and he plays downtown every night. And what time do you get off? Don't be modest. Give me the time. No, like three. Like three. You know where I was at three? Me neither. I was dead tired. At 3 in the morning, he gets off playing, and then you go home, and what time you get in the bed? 4.30 in the bed. My, I didn't even know it was that bad. Come in at 4.30, goes to bed, wakes up. What time are you here by? 7.30. And uh, uh, how much am I paying you? Oh, there we go. All right, okay. The only reason why there's been 26 people who've been able to rededicate, rededicate or commit their life to Christ is because there have been jars. And as long as there's jars, the only reason why people have been able to rededicate and commit their lives is because there's been a jar holding their child. There's been a jar teaching their child about the word. There's been a jar in the parking lot in the rain waving. There's been a jar opening up doors. There's been a jar running a camera, a jar running the PowerPoint. Because there are jars, God continues to pour himself out. And as long as there's a jar, God will pour himself out. It's why we're so passionate about the dream team, because you're a jar. I've been telling Calvin, Calvin's a rapper. Calvin, wave real quick. We just busted you out. It's one of those Sundays. It's a rainy Sunday. I'm going to bust all y'all out. I've been telling Kevin, I said, look, if you don't, get through, you don't go through growth track right now, do it right now. He's doing it. I said, do it right now. Because I got all kinds of creative ideas of stuff I can do with a rapper up here. But I ain't the jar. My name might be Pastor Troy, but I ain't, you know. Huh. I'm the oil. I got the idea. You're the jar. So when you get in that process with God, God starts to pour out into you because there's jars. The only reason why the local church stops growing is because there's no empty jars. Because the place is filled with a bunch of jars that are overflowing. They're not empty. They can't receive. At some point, the church has become an antique store. There's supposed to be a place to be poured out. Poured out because here's what's great about a jar. A jar only has two functions. You ready? To be filled up and to pour out. So only two things you can do. So God created the church where you can get filled up and you can pour out. And the more there are jars, the more he'll fill it up. And the more people pour out, the more he'll fill it back up. 
because it's the process of the jar and the oil. And so God's already put greatness in you. The only way he can get it out of you is for you to pour it out. And when you pour it out, guess what? Now you're what? What are you, church? You're empty. And so now God's got to what? Fill you back up. And this time it's going to be fresher. You know, you ever been to a restaurant and you got your first sweet tea and it's not that good? And you drink it and you suffer through it. And then they bring you the next sweet tea and it's delicious. You know what I'm talking about? When you pour out and then God pours back in, it's going to be even better and even greater than the first time. And this process continues and continues and continues. And God says, as long as you have breath, I will take you from glory to glory to glory. You will do the things I've done and even greater things as long as I've got jars. But if I don't have jars... Unfortunately, I have to quit pouring out. I got to read to you a Facebook message. I already told him I was going to bust them out. I told you it's the day of busting people out. This is not what we do every Sunday. So if you're visiting, I'll be like, I ain't going to that church. He's going to call my name. Facebook. Jimmy, I just saw you. Where are you? In that colorful shirt. Jimmy put this up on Facebook the other day, and I was like, man, I got to show this. So for nearly a year, I've been looking for not just a church, but a home. Welcome home. I visited nearly eight different churches, and I never, want, never went to a church just once because I wanted to find where God wanted me to be and serve. He said, look, I didn't just go. I went to places, and I tried to get involved. I tried to see where God wanted me. I never wanted to have a snap judgment on a church. I love that because he's not putting down any, every church that's even operating. If you're preaching the word of God, you're doing something for the kingdom of God. So it's not about, look, there's like 60,000 people in Smyrna. I think we can all survive. You know what I mean? Um, the first time I stepped into Victory Church, I was greeted like never before. Thank you, Nina. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you, First Impressions. Did you see that? First Impressions, did you see that? I was greeted like never before. You're a jar. You are a jar impacting this person because you're a jar. Don't let, listen, don't ever let anybody, if somebody ever tries to tell you aren't something, look them in the face and be like, I'm a jar, baby. I don't care what kind of, you can be a boom, boom, bam jar. I don't know, matter to me, but you are a jar literally processing the oil of God. Your jar. The staff here are passionate, staff. <laughs> uh, uh, staff here are passionate and on fire for the Lord. That's you. That's you too, right? That's you. That's, that, we're Jeff, Melanie, Jamal, we're, we're, we're Brian, Erica, Nazra. Look, that's y'all. You're passionate. You're on fire for God, okay? Uh, you're a jar. Just a quick testimony of myself. I grew up on the streets of South Nashville. Sounded thug. I'm sorry. Been in construction since I was 16 years old. I love going to the gym. So many people quit trying to get a woman. Trying to be would consider me a manly man. But I haven't had a dry cheek during, there we go, let's pull back. But I haven't had a dry cheek during a sermon. Remember the old boy that couldn't make ice cream? Jar. Jar. Don't judge my jar. God is really moving me through Pastor Troy. Every sermon has been on point. Father Pastor Troy isn't contagious. I'm glad to have a church home slash family again. Here's what's so cool about this. Being filled up, right? Being filled up, being filled up, being filled up. There was a post a couple after I had commented, said some things to him. He later on said, yeah, I just made my mom listen to the sermon and her tears were going down her face. Filled up, poured out. Filled up. Hey, mom, come here. Mom, come here, you gotta hear this. Poured out. Filled up. Pour it out. See what I mean? Processing this through. Filled up, pour it out. See what I'm saying? It, it, it's how it goes. It's how it goes. Those of you that were here on the first day, filled up, look around, pour it out. This will continue to happen as long as there are jars that are available because God has put something great in you. You just need to become aware of it, quit worrying about what it's not, and start pouring it out. And as you pour it out, other lives are impacted, changed. And here's what happens. You ready? Ah, Troy, that's just not me. I don't have, look, what you're talking about, that's great that Jeff 
gets up at 4.30 in the morning, but I can't, I can't get up that early, right? I can't, I can't get up that early. Well, it's because you watch Netflix till 3 o'clock in the morning, but that ain't my business, okay? I can't get up. Or, you know, I love that Malcolm's so passionate, but I can't do that. That's just not who I am. He looks like the rock. He's supposed to be on the stage. That's just not who I am. I just can't do that. You know, if you start looking at my past and my, who my mom and dad, I am not even saved. I, ain't been, I don't even know where Genesis is in the Bible. I, I, I can't do any of that. The last time I checked in that story, just look at your Bible again, make sure I was right about this. There was one prerequisite about the jar. There was one prerequisite. Uh, it wasn't that it had to be pretty. It wasn't that it had to be theologically, you know, intellectual. It, it wasn't that it had to know Greek and Hebrew and the translations. The only prerequisite of the jar is that it was what? Empty. Because all God needs is somebody to say, I'm empty. I pour myself out at your feet. I don't really know what I'm good at. I don't know if I can make ice cream or not. But if you'll use me, I'll be faithful and I'll be obedient. If if you'll just give me a greater marriage, I'll be determined to pursue it. If you'll just give me greater influence with my kids, I'll be determined to pursue it. If you just give me greater faith, I'll be determined to pursue it. I'm just empty before you, God. Everybody stand with me real quick. I don't normally make you stand, but I'm going to make you stand for a second. And the reason why I want to make you stand is because sometimes in a chair, we get comfortable. And if we're not careful, somebody will say something to us, and it'll go in one ear and out the other. And we won't apply it to our lives. So now that you're standing, you don't have a choice but to listen to what I'm about to say. God put something great in you, something incredible, life-changing, impacting, anointing, special, out of this world, usable for both the kingdom and the world, something that would cause people to rededicate and commit their lives to Christ, something that would bring strength to individuals. God put that inside of you. I'll be back. Don't go nowhere. He didn't, y'all. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) God put that same thing, something, Brian, something incredible in you. And it's all different. It's all different because, look, if we were all vanilla milkshakes, ain't nobody coming here. It's variety. It's diversity. And it goes all the way down to what God's created you to do. There's something great in every one of you. You've got to become aware of that. And I wish I could take you to here's step one, here's step two, boom, it'll pop out. I don't know. But I'm telling you, start asking people around you. Start praying. Go to Growth Track. Find out what it is. Because there's a reason why God needs the jar that's shaped like you. And then just be careful. Be careful not to get focused on what you're not. God made you unique because we need your uniqueness. Because there are people, I'm going to pick on Scout real quick. Scout is a great evangelist just because he lives his life at his job and he gets to lead people to the Lord because he's so, I mean, look at him. Who wouldn't want to talk to him? The people that Scout's going to reach. <laughs> Miss Nina's not reaching those same people. See what I'm saying? Have you seen Scout? Look at Scout. It's not the same audience. But it's the same oil. It's the same oil. The jar might be different, but the oil is the same. And God says, if you'll keep giving me jars tall ones, short ones. Just keep giving them to me and I'll keep pouring out. There's greater inside of you. And now it's just time to release it. We started with a question, we end with a question. Elijah said, what do you have? And that's the question I tell you this week to meditate on and to ask God, what do I have already in me? that you want to use 
to impact the lives of others. Amen, church. Lord, we thank you for who you are, your faithfulness, your calling on our life. For every person that's in this place, every individual, and the unique calling that you have on their life. And I know that everybody in this place, we desire to be used by you to do something great where we struggle is thinking that we're too mediocre to be used for that. And God, you're opening up our minds and our hearts right now, letting us know that it's not about our exceptions, but it's the exceptions that qualify us to be able to be used by you. And so I pray over every person in this room that they would begin to ask themselves, God, what have you put inside of me? And how do I pour it out? Ms. Erica, will you put that greater prayer up? I want us to kind of close praying that before Brian comes up and gives an opportunity for people to commit, recommit their lives to the Lord. Do you have that? I'm sorry. You know what? I got the card. Don't even worry about it. Oh, you do have it. Man, you're so, you're the bomb. You a jar, girl. You a jar. God be pouring oil all up in that jar. All right. Will y'all pray it with me? Last Sunday, I kind of prayed it over you. Will you pray it with me? Yeah? Y'all real reluctant. Let me get out your way. All right, here we go. I pray for greater authority and confidence in God. Did you mean that? Let's try it again. Now y'all ready. I pray for greater authority and confidence in God. I pray for greater clarity of my identity and my calling in God. Man, these are so good. I pray for a greater purpose as I approach everyday task. There's a purpose in you doing the dishes. Marriage conference right there. I pray for greater joy in knowing that I'm in the sweet spot of God's blessing. Woo! I think I might add an extra sermon to the series about that one. Here we go. I pray for a greater influence over my marriage, my family, my friends, and the people around me. And here we go. I pray for greater impact in Smyrna, Rutherford County, Nashville, and the world. Lord, I thank you right now. We pray those things in our lives, over the people around us, our families, most of all ourselves, that God, you would continue to show us how you see us and bring the greater out that you placed in us from the beginning. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said.